I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at Bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> So then there were two, Cheddar, we have Waterford and Limerick um, in the final this weekend and it's a novel final because they've never met in the final before. There are a lot of people's second teams I would imagine down in Munster. Waterford definitely are my second team and Limerick wouldn't be too far away from them on, in the last few years. Interestingly enough from Limerick, right, I was just reading this a couple of stats from Colm Keyes. He says, it's a measure of the difficulty involved that outside of Kilkenny, no other county since Galway in 1989 has followed up an All-Ireland win in September with a league hurling title the following spring. So Kilkenny did it in 03, 09, 12, 13. Um, but that's out of 11. So they did it four, they did it four out of their 11 All-Ireland titles, which is not a huge hit rate, but they're the only team that did it outside of Galway. So like, I mean, Limerick are up against a little bit of history maybe at the weekend here. I, I, I suppose, uh, Molly, it's uh, difficult to draw conclusions from that because we're not t- too sure, you know, did Galway actively go for the all or for the league last year? You'd probably say not. They were trying to try out players and that. True. Um, so Tip did really the year before, I think, did they? Um, they got y- hammered by Galway in the final. Yes. Um, and, you know, well, well, I suppose it, ju- it just brings it back to do that other point, though. You know, Brian always goes for the league. I, you know, if he can go for it, if he's the right team to go for it, he will, he'll always go for it to win every match anyway and to win the league as well. You know, he yeah. he means what he says when he does that. Um, um, so so it's, it's difficult to draw conclusions from statistics like that. Um, you know, I think a number of years ago, 
um, you know, obviously managers and counties and county boards and teams, everybody wanted to win the league. It was, you know, a serious, serious competition to win um, and, you know, drew huge crowds in that. Um, I think with the changes to the championship now, you know, it just may not have the same importance anymore and, you know, certainly managers will be looking at it differently now than they were back then. Um, the other thing uh, you, you need to look at as well, that there was a big gap between the league and the championship, you know, a number of years ago. Um, so you got a chance to, I suppose, recalibrate your team and look at your team and that. So, you know, you, you could go on and try and win the league um, but now you need to seriously look at that. You know, you might look at it gaining momentum to go into a Munster Championship or to go into a Leinster Championship. So I think there's very different reasons about how management and how teams look. It's not just management, how the whole team looks approaching the league now towards what it was a number of years ago. Yeah, so we'll have to change those stats based on who cared about the league in those years. No, I, it's a fair point. It I, is think, a fair I think point. you need to draw other reasons into it anyway. Uh, yeah. really. It wouldn't yeah. be just, just clear cut to draw a clean uh, um, you know, a trend from a statistic like that. So I was looking down through the league finals to see did Waterford play Limerick before and I've put into Wikipedia and searched for Waterford and came up through Waterford's finals and lo and behold I came across the 1962 final Waterford won the league they beat uh, they won the league final after a replay who did they beat New York I thought that was an interesting one I'm wondering do you have any uh, recollection of that going on you pushed me there now what is <laughs> <you are. laughs> um well, look, there's a couple of interesting things about that. Um, you know, Waterford had a very, very, had a really great team. It was the last period uh, prior to the 90s team that had a really, really good team. Things were in an All-Ireland final in the late 50s, like can you beat them? Um, so there were obviously a very strong team around that time. And, and, you know, it wouldn't surprise me that they were in a league final around it and had some great players and were a very, very strong team right, right throughout the 60s. Um, I stand corrected on this, but I think... Cork won in All-Ireland maybe in 66 and Waterford beat him in the first round in in Waterford in the 67 Monster Championship I remember Tom O'Donoghue was sent off so Waterford had a strong team around then and it's not surprising that they were in the final it might be a bit of a surprise to some people that New York were yes, in the final exactly um, and I, I just from recollection and I think you know there'd be more serious GA heads and hurling heads than me now would be able to draw a better recollection of this but I think there was an actual home final at that stage and I think you played uh, New York then I think actually London might have been in it a couple of times as well which they certainly played New York then in the in the bull final or whatever you want to call it I can't actually think of how it was classified at the time what's surprising Woolly is that New York were in a number of those finals and acquitted themselves very very well at the time there was only a couple of pints in it um, and you know they were actually New York had a serious team around that time and you know, it may have been maybe due to immigration or whatever the case may be um, but they had a serious team around that time and, and uh, I wouldn't I don't, don't know the score uh, of that game in 62 but it wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't that, that you know the gap wasn't huge in it yeah well it was a replay so they, would, they drew That's it to interesting. Interesting. They drew with them in the first one. So the league champions went out to play them in another uh, league final kind yeah, of thing. Uh, that's my recollection Something of it, like but uh, right. you know, there'd be people who would be... That's a nice little thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, I, I suppose it was. And, and at the time, um, you know, it was good for New York as well. Um, you know, obviously, if there was that level of emigration, you know, to consider the late 50s, early 60s, um, that, that you know, they had something to connect with home. And, you know, we talk about G and its identity and all of those things. Um, and I, my recollection is that there were some fair crowds at that and I, I'm thinking of something else actually there was a, a, a used, used, there used to be a tournament take place in London um, I'm not too sure if it was played in Wembley or not actually Woolley um, 
and between the All Ireland champions, champions, and I'm not too sure who who were else in it, but actually there used to be huge attendances go to it, and I suppose there was the you know people, the Irish people in London and Irish people in New York and that, um, you know, they would see it as you know some little bit from home and turn up for the game and support the game and that. But I have a recollection of that. Maybe there's some some listeners that would you know have a better recollection of the history of it than that that might provide more detail than I am. Yeah, well you've done well after being put on the spot. I'll put I'll give it to you that way. So penalties are deciding the final this weekend, Chad. Are you a fan of this? Uh, no, I'm not really, but I can understand why they are. Um, looks a terrible way uh, to, to, to decide a game. Be exciting, though, Cheddar. No? no, it is exciting. It's it's it is exciting for supporters, and you know it's edge of the seat stuff, really. But um, I just don't think it's the right way of of deciding a game. Willie, to be honest, which I really prefer to play an extra five minutes each way, um, and you know hopefully that would resolve it. Um, I think it's fair to do that. A lot of pressure on penalty takers, and maybe less pressures on goalkeepers. Are not expected to save the the ball, but um, either penalty or even the 65s right that's a lot of pressure on an, indi- an individual person you know at the end of yeah. the day they're amateur players well that and that's a fair point I hadn't really thought of that that for a player to be the scapegoat after losing a big game if he's the only yeah. one that missed that haven't really thought I'm thinking more of the selfish supporter kind of excitement value I know, I'm, it's maybe it's I'm losing touch with my <laughs> player ex-player kind yeah, of no, it's just stuff and look obviously great um, TV viewing and all of that and you know it would be very 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 exciting but you know you got to think of the long term and and uh, um, you know there's some far reaching consequences for some players who have to miss a game and miss a, a score like that it might be the only league final you were in in a long number of years and you know you know what happens you know, you know the way I suppose social media can heap a lot of pressure Stay on off Twitter you know. would be the advice to uh, these young people would be, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Right so come here I was reading this week Tony O'Gregan has joined the Limerick uh, backroom team so he is a performance psychology coach He's a sports psychologist is pretty much what I would imagine. He's replacing Caroline uh, Currid. So he, Regan has worked with the Galway Miners in 2015 and 2017 and he was with the Tipperary um, All-Ireland winning team under Michael Ryan in 2016. So he has got great pedigree and he obviously is an ex-player which adds a huge amount of credence to him able to whatever angle he wants to come at things he's walked in their boots so looks to me like a great uh, signing Caroline Coorid is obviously incredibly high regarded and we spoke a lot about her last year especially at the live shows but incidentally she is interestingly she's being tipped now or it's been speculated that she might go back in with Tipperary because she worked with um, Liam Sheedy in 2010 so just think of like if she goes back into Tipperary she could completely spill the beans on, a t- on an awful lot of information there couldn't she of the Limerick kind of backroom t- you know tactics system what makes players tick what they don't like realistically you're a sitting duck maybe to lose somebody like that you, you open yourself up to these sports psychologists so much and then they could move camp I'm not saying she is I'm saying hypothetically you give them so much of yourself that it, it must be heartbreaking to see a sports psychologist above anybody else move to another team No I disagree with that Willie actually no? um, um, I can see your, your, your reasoning for saying it um, first of all um, all of these people are highly qualified people and ju- just bear in mind the, the area that their expertise is in um, a lot of that is very very confidential stuff and right. they're, they're bound by their own profession um, not to not to uh, say anything about that um, so and they wouldn't even say it actually will you to their man to their management team there would be certain um, things that are just uh, not discussed uh, between player confidentiality between the likes of Caroline and Tony Oak and, and, and that that would not be discussed and, and they would be very very they'll tell you pretty clearly and very very quickly about that um, so that 
um, confidentiality and that trust is never broken be- between these people and the players is the okay. first point so they've got that doctor kind of confidentiality I didn't oh, think that they oh, they are no, psychologists no yeah. doubt about it they, ha- they are and, and I think that this brings us maybe maybe to a different point I don't want to go off on a tangent here but that's the real um, I suppose gold dust in terms of using and implying the right people here um, because there's no residue or there's no risk um, you know look, look the, the, the legal um, consequence that that would be savage um, if that type of, if that, that did happen it doesn't happen anyway I'm absolutely I, I'd be very very confident about that back to your other point um, look if the opposition hurling coaches don't know enough about the Limerick or the Watford or the Cork style of play well they shouldn't be in shouldn't be hurling coaches in that team and I don't think Caroline going to Tipperary would tell Tommy Dunn or Dara Egan or Eamon O'Shea anything more that's needed to know about the hurling system than they already know um, so, so I d- and you know considering the level of analysis and video analysis that goes into um, preparation of teams and preparation and awareness in the opposition I don't think that makes a huge difference um, I, I think what's interesting is and I think that sort of kills that um, Woolly there, there is certainly is um, I know I was talking nonsense there, there's obviously. no sharing of information I know you were just for the just for the listeners you know just to give that comfort to the sometimes listeners sometimes I'm glad you're here Cheddar <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I just think you to be setting me up Woolly but anyway um, so you know, look I suppose you know we're conscious here Woolly as well that you know there are people listening to this and they would have con- some concerns around that that, that may not know yeah. and we just needed to clear the air and yeah. that I suppose really more than anything else yeah. um, I think what's interesting thing is is their role in management teams and that and you know I do read and um and, and hear so much um, written and spoken about you know what they do in teams and all of that and, and most of it is ridiculed to be honest with you and there is a little bit of a traditional um, and I suppose uh, um, a held view that the manager should be performing that role anyway um, and that and look I suppose I, I'm, I'm definitely not qualified enough and I certainly would speak to John Kiley and, and Michal Donoghue uh, Uli on this um, you know I certainly need to speak to a couple of other people that have you know went to higher higher um, uh, performances than I have um, but they're incredibly useful incredibly a part of the management team and you know it's not it's not um, it's not the mo- they don't work in terms of the front um, in front of the dressing room motivation and that type of stuff their role is very 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 different than that um, and look one of their first jobs is actually to look at the management team themselves and to look at the manager we were very very lucky to have Anya McNamara involved with Leash when I was involved with him so I have a small bit of experience in this and before I speak anything on it Willie um, and this show is probably a little bit too short to fully describe what sports psychology or performance psychology or mental game coaches, there's a number of different names on them, would bring to a team. And um, I, I'm a little bit low to speak about the details here because I'm not qualified in the area, but I'll just give my um, explanation in as much as I can in terms of what they do uh, to teams and that. But I would seriously suggest that to get the, the definitive view and, and, and the right way to apply sports psychology, you really need to, was, to uh, uh, speak to a sports psychologist or a person that's qualified in this area rather than me giving a sort of a second hand view but um, you know the way 
the, the even the manager himself, the way he approaches it, how he looks, um, how he deals with loss, how he deals with victory, um, what the players see in him, um, are all things that a sports psychologist would be looking at. Um, you know, your body language, the way you communicate to your players. Um, so the first role of the sports psychologist is actually to deal with management, with the manager. more than likely, and with the manager. And you know, I have been that person, Willie. So, <laughs> so, and you know, you, you you welcome that. You you know, you're very open about that, and you welcome that um, because. You don't have a t- chance to look in the mirror most of the time yourself. And a lot of the time, I'm probably going to deal with a couple of words here that come up a lot of the time. And unfortunately, they're a little bit cliched at the minute. It, you know, Just consider it for a minute. It's a very, very emotive environment. And you don't want to be managing on emotions. You want to be managing on process and the right things to do and giving the right instructions to players. And sometimes it, you know, it's easy to say that. Um, and sometimes on the sideline or up in the stand or wherever you are, but particularly in the dressing room, maybe before the game or half or at half time, um, it, it's difficult to get a clear train of thought of the things that need to get fixed. Um, and you know, somebody training you on that and and just keeping you with your finger on the pulse of the process the whole time, rather than getting emotively involved in things, is a very very good thing for a management team and a manager to actually have. Um, so and that's the first thing I would say on it but to play a huge role with players and I, I suppose I'll just use a, a couple of things um, look there's a lot of pressures on players um, you know you even just take a free taker uh, take a freeze you know he'll have his routine or she will have her routine um, but there's a lot of other um, mental imagery that the person can use um, uh, you know in terms of preparing to take freeze for example um, and th- the other area is there's a lot a lot of pressures on players you know from outside life and and, and that and sometimes we're all human beings and we a lot of us don't have the coping skills to be able to deal with this and that's the real areas I think that to bring you know great benefit to, to a team bring coping skills to individual players it may be lifestyle it may be uh, something to deal with life it may be playing it may be nervousness before big games it may be a free taker you know there's a ho- there's a whole range of things I could speak for half an hour here about a huge amount of ben- benefits that um, a sports psychologist or whatever you want to classify them as um, you know would bring to it Look, one of the big things is staying composed under pressure. And, you know, how do you do that? And what are the little mental techniques that you he, that he use? And I suppose if I t- took a step back, Willie, I'd say, um, look, we've got hurling coaches to coach technical and tactical hurling. And we've got S&C people to coach um, and condition players. Well, the mind needs training as well as the body. The, 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 the mental side needs training and can be trained the very, very same as the physical side. And to do that, you need the expertise in that area to, to, to do that. So I suppose it's preparing players psychologically for the competition and I suppose just to deal with the psychological demands that a competition is going to throw up. And we're, we're you know, GA teams at the top now are professional players. If it's good enough for New Zealand rugby to have three or four of these people or whoever these American football teams or whoever they are well you know they're not going to throw out money easily to, to, to these people they're there for a specific reason yeah. and you know considering where GA has gone now I, I'm not surprising and it's a key part in a management team the psychological pre- preparation I suppose train the mind is is really critical and there's a number of techniques I suppose that you use I don't want to dwell in, uh, on it completely Woolly, but uh, it's an area that I'm, I'm very very interested in um, uh, so even the, the, the visual visualization of uh, you know training the mind um, and I really will uh, would prefer the the um, the um, expertise ex- experts here to actually talk about this because uh, I know I'm going to do a bad job on it. But um, you know, if you they would say, look, 
uh, close your eyes and and you know what do you want to see here you know wh- so visualize what you actually want and the, the, you know when you do that you draw pictures or images and the, this is what where we're, where they're really going it's the positivity of that and the positive the, the thoughts that you know that gets you and then rehearsing 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 brings you into I suppose it's a word that they call flow as such um, and then look you're in a really really good space and in terms of a great place then to actually perform What's I think really interesting about that is that that works really well when players play with systems. There, there, there is um, a circular thing going on here, and again, I'm not going to go into the depth in this because I, I much prefer the experts to actually um, um, explain this. But what we're really trying to do is program the subconscious mind to perform in pressured situations. And if you have, if you were playing with systems, in other words, you have something to hang all of that onto, um, then that's a really, really good place to be in. And if because you're visualizing your role within the system, absolutely. then when you start playing when the game starts you're doing what you already thought you were doing now I jeer at visualisation a little bit cheddar and I say that I visualised the whole way through my football career it's called daydreaming about the match and uh, that's kind of like how I would have visualised so like I, I do take the visualisation I thought Aaron Galan on Caroline Curid I thought that this I think this is the most important aspect maybe myself he said she got on with everyone and everyone had great time for her that's uh, just a bite by which is probably very important and Tony O'Regan he's, they're saying the same things about she was a great outlet if anything was playing on your mind or if there was anything you wanted to talk about going out uh, playing a big match and I think that's a big one having that ear that professional ear to tell insecurities that you might have to tell about like you mentioned being nervous to tell about maybe having some concerns about the fellow you're marking that you just simply can't tell the manager because you don't want to compromise your position on the team like I think that one on one and having someone to talk to like I mean you know us Irish men aren't the the greatest for talking about but like maybe you know it it wasn't ever there so you just kind of deal with it yourself Uh, I think the crucial part of it though Willie is that this person is an expert in offering you coping skills about how to sort out whatever whatever little problem you have and it brings me to another point Um, I'm always surprised by interventions let's call them because I would always see these people that they're they're within the team on a regular basis they don't need to be there every training session but they certainly need to be there at least once a week it's not just fly in and fly out again um, so th- that mental training is ongoing it's probably every day to be honest with you it's no, it's no, no different than the, the physiological training or the skills training whatever It's you need to be doing it every day to train the mind to think positively in a certain way um, so I do be surprised sometimes um, you know I, know I know there's there's good benefits maybe some sometimes of bringing in somebody to give a team talk and, and there, you know there might be a need for doing that um, but I, I'm, I'm a much bigger fan of having the person uh, you know regularly involved with the team and more often than not in the background the work that they do is generally speaking in the background and they, they have a huge beneficial effect on a team and particularly if a team is is um, playing with the systems and particularly if that team has had an awful lot of losses over the last number of years so they have to deal with a lot of baggage here and, and just yeah. sift out the baggage and move forward That's another thing uh, Galan was talking about he said I think she kind of gave us confidence that might have been something that was missing in Limerick for the last few years so like I mean she was working on their confidence doing um, little things the one thing I'm interested in with sports psychology is I can see a huge value for players who want to go and have those one-on-ones and get that training now there's half the panel would what might want to do mm. that and there's another half that might say I don't need that so I find the group sessions I don't find them great because in my experience now I wouldn't have had a Caroline Curid I would have had fairly poor 
I thought sports psychologists or even a Tony O'Gregan I don't know about him but Caroline is so highly rated that I remember the sports psychologist speaking to the whole panel and I would have been throwing my eyes up to heaven and other lads around me would have been and some lads might have wanted to listen so like one size doesn't fit all to speak to a group is the point I'm making whereas one on ones you get you yeah. help the lads that want, to, that want that help Oh yeah, and I think it's up to the sports psychologists themselves to no, no more than it is with a manager or a coach like you know you have got to spend a lot yourself as well to get that connection and that buy in from players um, and players are not just just because you have a n- number of letters after your name um, all of these players now are highly intelligent themselves and that's just going to take that as a given well this is going to solve the problems here you know it's like the bible you need to put your hand in the wound before you're going to believe um, but but um, look their their skills are particular to that area you're hurling your technical coaches their skills are particular to that area you wouldn't get your technical coach for example to to manage your strength and conditioning at inter-county level you might do it at club level but not at, not at inter-county level um, and you you are you know you are you look at the winning teams for the last I don't know how many years and look at the quality of the people that's involved in them and look at the quality of some of those people that ended up in rugby or in, in English Premier soccer and you know the, how highly they were held in those areas um, so so you are dealing with you know high quality people here who have high ambitions themselves and they expect you as a manager and a team to match those ambitions and when you have that sort of dynamic going on in, in, in a team then you're you know you're really in a great place and I suppose just back to your point about them speaking to the team you know you could use them to build cohesion in your team you know it's difficult to do all of these things and, and you've got to consider you're the manager you probably have a pretty stressful job yourself 9 to 5 or maybe less or maybe more um, and you've only a certain amount of time to do these things and you may not have the expertise in this area as a manager you only need to know what works and make sure that it works you don't need to know the A to Z of the detail of these things um, and I think that's why you see a lot of teams now where a manager is a very different role than it was a number of years ago where you had manager stroke coach at inter-county level Level. I think the quality of preparation of inter-county teams now is that's just a level you'll rarely see that anymore. Yeah, exactly. You have to focus on everything. One other thing, because Jamie Barron was at that media day I was at yesterday. Aaron Galan is coming up um, next. He said, I've never really played in Walsh Park when it's packed to a maximum capacity. So we're really looking forward to that, that atmosphere and what it's going to give us and hopefully drive the team on. He's talking about Walsh Park for the championship and I was just thinking I never played in a more park packed out. I don't know if you were ever involved in a team with your own home ground full to the rafters. Probably the the most packed the more park was was just a league game against Kildare under Mick O'Dwyer where the whole stand was full and the terrace on the other side was pretty much full but both ends. And I was just thinking when Jamie Barron has never played in his own home ground full and that is such a brilliant thing the Munster these Munster leagues and Leinster leagues are giving these teams is a chance to have a home game in a packed stadium isn't it crazy so many players wouldn't have actually played in their own home ground full I'm really surprised that that, that, that uh, Jamie, you know, considering yeah. the support so from Walsh. When would that. he, you see, in a league game, really? They never would have had championship yeah, games suppose, there. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's good. Uh, look, it's it's, um, it's 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 very very beneficial to the county, um, and. And, um, a couple of times we played Gaw in a couple of championship matches we played often in a championship match in Moor Park Woolley it wasn't full but it was a great crowd there. It yeah. was certainly a huge difference it's a lovely feeling isn't it? it it is a very very different feeling and look you're going back a little bit now to your sports psychologist here's your role to play so you know Jamie hasn't played in Wilds Park before when the place was half full or quarter full or whatever and now he's going to go into a Munster championship and, and play Limerick in Wilds Park in the round three of the Munster championship and I can tell you they'll be hanging out at the rafters they'll be jumping in over the wall again yeah. to see that match um, that's where the emotion will be too exactly. much you'll need no, to 
talk to someone no, about that's that. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah. No, this is where these people with with uh, you know uh, really can help you along the way with these type of things. Yeah. Okay. Great stuff. Right. Up next is Aaron Galan, who I interviewed in Croke Park yesterday. Thanks to Alliance, they're sponsoring the national football and hurling leagues for the last twenty-seven years. Um, Alliance are so that's thanks to them. And he's up next. <laughs> People do say, what do you love about hunting? They do say. Uh, is, it, is it the fresh air? Is it the great outdoors? Is it the thrill? No. I just love killing things. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I'm here in Croke Park with Aaron Galan. Aaron, this back to where all the magic happened not so long ago. Yeah, I think it's only seven or seven and a half months for now. Fond memories, but... Is this your first time back since? It is. Is it? But, um, yeah, fond memories. But look, as I said there a while ago, last year now was in the past and hopefully it'll make more history here this year. Well, let's just go back quickly. So where were you on the field when the full-time whistle went? Because all, my memory of it was Condon coming out with the ball and yeah. then there were about five different room players just started sprinting all over the field. I think... I was just here where Joe was taking the free around here. I was the person actually just in front of him, praying to God that he wouldn't reach or the ball <laughs> either or something. Were you doing any talking to him, though? No, geez, no. I'd actually, because I'd hate if someone was doing that to me when I was taking a free. So I don't think it makes much of a difference anyway. So it's kind of stupid. Yeah. Okay. So it's just free takers respect there to Joe and the. Last Not even that. I was probably trying to catch my breath as well. So I probably <laughs> didn't, I didn't have enough energy to say anything. So come here. How did all the celebrations go? Great. We enjoyed them anyway. Yeah. Um, I was reading the big thing for you was to bring the cup back to Patrick's well. Yeah. Obviously, like you know, there's been so many. You can even say legends of the game that have been playing a part as well in Limerick over the years that were unlucky enough not to win in All-Ireland even take for example our manager now Kiran and Gary Kirby like they soldiered at Limerick for what, 10 or 12 years and I think they're considered like, two of the greatest hurlers to ever play and look they were just unfortunate not to win a not to win a, a Lee McCarthy but like they've worked with us the whole way up along so I suppose it was kind of just nice to bring back them and see the joy that it brought around the place Yeah and was there emotions because obviously they were the two when I think back to Limerick in those years you think of Kirby and you think of Kerry like they were the two big names was, was there emotion was it an emotional night in Patrick's well or Well you could say that I suppose just everyone was just kind of over the moon I suppose myself Keane and Dermot being the only three on the panel I suppose kind of was a big night for us and I don't know, it was great, like, just the lift that I gave to the whole village and, like, old people, young people, I know you're probably sick of people saying that, but especially back at home, it was great and they really lifted spirits at home. So how did you organise the celebrations? Like, I mean, did you take turns bringing cups around? Because, like, you seem to handle it very well. You're back this year absolutely flying it. When did you get back into training? Like, was there someone organising what you would do with the cup? It's not like Limerick had too much practice with how to deal oh, with geez, this. No. Uh, yeah, I suppose the cup stays out with Siobhan Scanlon out in the Munster Council office, so to be fair to her, she's brilliant with it, and um, if you wanted the cup now, you'd have to book it about two months in advance, I'd say, so people are still fascinated with it, but um, no, Siobhan's very good with um, lending it out, like if you wanted to bring it to a neighbour, if it has to go to a nursing home or something like that, so just get in touch with Siobhan and she's, uh, she'll uh, set you on your way then. Okay, so when did you get back as a group, actually, training? I suppose we went to Boston, when did we went to Boston... Late November, was it? November, so we were back training. It starts in November for that, and once you were back from Boston, you might have had a week or two and then straight back into it again. So you got se- you got the rest of se- you got September and October off, pretty much. Basically, but you couldn't yeah. come back out of shape, so you probably didn't even get the, f- the whole of October off. No, but even that, like, even you would have the two or three weeks after the final, you, the could be, you could be celebrating, but you're back with the club then, yeah. and once the club's over, again, you'd have two or three weeks, great, back to start the college, do what you want, but... Um, 
like all that is great, but I think you kind of get sick of it after a while too. So you want yourself to get back into the gym and get back doing a bit of running yourself, like just to get right. Throw in the year does start up to try and get a bit of a head start. And with the head start's important because, like, I mean, when you came back this year, a lot of, you were fourth favourites to retain the All Ireland. Usually, the All Ireland champions go straight back in as favourites the following year. Did that kind of annoy you a little bit? Was it was it kind of in your heads to, to hit this league hard and show that you're you know you mean business again? Well, that's the first I've heard of that. Now, to be honest, I wouldn't really be <laughs> looking into that too much. But um, your second favourites now. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, look, I think we were in one B for eight nine years and. It's just miserable at times, but look, eventually last year we got out of it and we said this year we really wanted to give the league a rattle and kind of prove that last year winning the All-Ireland wasn't a fluke and we can put it up to the top teams and I think we've um, given a good account to ourselves so far as we seem to go one more step further now Sunday. Yeah, so it's more how it's how you would have targeted the league having been promoted even regardless of winning the All-Ireland. Yeah, look, I think the league is important and some people might use it for blood and new players, but I think... We've kind of done both at, and taken it serious at the same time and I think uh, we've benefited from that because even the new players that come in, they have got good game time and now they're pushing for place on the team and it's kind of keeping everyone kind of focused like that, you know, if you were playing last year you're not going to have your place cemented this year, you know, you have to go back and work just as hard so I think the new people into the panel and the fact that they're playing a uh, good quality matches against the top teams is really helping us in yeah. Yeah, because John Kiley was getting annoyed recently. He was saying everybody keeps talking about the first 15 and the All-Ireland winning team and he's like, there's no All-Ireland winning team this year. It's like every every place is pretty much up for grabs. Yeah, and it's true. Like Last year is last year pretty much and you know, as I said, no one's guaranteed their spot and if you think you are, a little tough look, you're going to be sitting on the sideline yeah. watching the next game. So. Every day we were training Tuesday and Friday, like you have to go out and just work hard and hopefully make an impression and get back on the team again. But you need that though, you need lads breathing down your throat, right? Or else like you could just sit back and go, well, we won the All-Ireland, I played really well last year. You, you do, know, yeah, you do, of course, yeah, geez, a bit of competition is very good. Well, we're definitely benefiting from it, from it anyway. Um, the people coming in, they're really on our, uh, breathing down our necks. So as you said, yeah, it's keep, like we're not getting comfortable because you've played a few matches. I think they're kind of pushing us out of our comfort zone and everyone is trying to get on the first 15 and even to get onto the 20s or 26 men match day panel is tough and look I suppose that's just testament to the amount of people we have champing at the bit now yeah. at the minute. Come here, how are you feeling? Because you have a lot of hurling done, like I mean you had a lot of Fitzgibbon, you made the final, you were given a rest against Cork because you know from last year it's a long year and that Munster League is intense, do you know what I mean? Do, are you, do you feel tired even at this stage of the league? Or? No, it is a long old year but you know what, you're playing hurling for a reason, I wouldn't have it any other way, sure, you're only mad to play a few matches. Um, no, to be fair to the boys like John and Joe and Paul, they fairly monitor everyone's load fairly well, so no one's dogged, like, you know, everyone's looked after fairly well and everyone's kind of doing the same workload, so, no, I'm fresh and rare to go on, yeah. Fresh and rare to go for the final. And come here, you were a late bloomer then, right? So, from reading about you, you were playing junior for Patrick's Well for yeah. a little while, and Kieran Carey had a chat with you, and... Um, Sean was actually full back and I was corner forward. He was full back and you were corner forward yeah. on the junior team? Yeah. So how did you end up playing junior then? Like, I mean, was it just because you were young or is it just because you... Like... Actually, I suppose once you're... I think it was 16 when I was playing, when you're out of 16, you can go straight into playing senior or junior. Well, obviously, I wasn't good enough to make the senior team when I was that young, so yeah. I suppose the next best thing was to get a few competitive matches against people that are older than me and yeah. I think kind of brought me on a bit and yeah. And you were a sub on the minor team, like I mean when did you start really, you know, when did the big improvements in your game in, in your game come? Um, I don't know, it's kind of hard to put an old finger on it I suppose but I think 2015 would have been my first year like having a, a full run at playing senior at Partick's well and 
think I was playing half forward that year and I got on fairly okay and after that then I kind of got called into the 21s panel. And I suppose just the level of training that I was exposed to back then and definitely brought me on leaves and bones. Yeah, and even in your own head, like was it was even when you were maybe a sub in the minors, was playing for Limerick a huge ambition of yours or were you just kind of good and things clicked? Um, it's a tough old question now. Obviously, look, it's great to be involved when you're young and kind of get introduced to the setup and like, if you're going to be playing with Limerick, this is what you're going to be doing for the next few years, I suppose. But um, I don't know, I kind of took um, great confidence and learned a lot from like myself and Keane would have been the only two from Patrick's Well growing up that we played, say, 14, 16s and minors together. But like, just kind of go and train and then listen to a fella of his calibre, like, you just learn so much off him. So I think I learned a good bit off him as well. You got the book. It's funny that uh, Seamus Flanagan on the full forward line has, was a sub on the under 21. So, like, the two of you are flying it in there. Maybe, I don't know, you've that extra bit of hunger that you didn't have it all handy when you were coming up to the underage ranks. Um, I don't know, it could be down to different game plans now and stuff as well, you know, yeah. like, that could suit us in the full forward line. But if we're playing under. Say maybe if I was playing full forward with the club at home, it might be a different game plan, and you know, I mightn't touch the ball for the whole match. Right. So I suppose, I don't know, it's kind of a tricky question, you know, I suppose. Um, you have to try and work your way into games as well, you know. And That's the thing, but about your game plan is you're, you're on the ball, you know if you make the runs that that ball is coming. Yeah, look, and you're probably giving away her game plan now. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, making the runs. We know so. your game plan by now, I think. Yeah, obviously making runs is vital, not just for us, but for any team, I suppose. And like, I suppose winning primary possession back the field, I suppose the first thing any team wants to do is get into the full forward line or into the forward. So we're just trying to replicate that. When we were talking about your game plan, did Dublin throw you a little bit? Because we know your game plan is all about dropping the half forward line deep, making space for yourself and Flanagan and Mulcahy and Casey and all these inside. Whereas they man-marked your half-forward line instead of letting them off and then they had a sweeper back covering you. That threw you a little bit in the first half. I hadn't seen the team do that to you last year. I wouldn't say it threw us now, um, but obviously Dublin, they were a tough opposition to be fair to them. They had their homework done on us the same way we did on them. But I suppose uh, you can kind of say the two teams kind of play similar to each other and that, I think that might kind of cancel each other out. But in any match, like, like we got a 10-minute purple patch against them. It could have very easily been them getting the purple patch against us, but... Luckily, we tagged on a few scores, and in the end, that's what got us over the line. Is it important this year to come with something fresh with your game plan? Because, like, I mean, there's teams going to be watching video after video of how you played last year and coming up with ideas. It's not an easy fix whether to follow that half-forward line or stay back or what to do, but are you conscious that you might need to bring something else to the table? Jesus, I just stick to my own job in the full-forward line now. That's <laughs> up even, to John and Paul. Even with your own game, like, I mean, are you conscious that you need to practice on stuff? Like, what would you be saying to yourself... Like I know, you, like over the shoulder, you're really good, but you played a lot in the half forward line. So is yeah. that stuff you're practicing now that you're full time in the corner with Limerick? Yeah, I suppose. Someone actually said it to me. I went down to watch club trend the other day, and someone said it to me. He's like, "Geez, last year was actually your first time ever playing the full forward line." Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, I suppose." I was thinking back on it, and no, like obviously you're still learning the tricks of the trade as you go in, or as you go along. Sorry, but I suppose even taken from Seamus and Graham, they've been playing in the full forward line all their lives, and. Like even learning the runs, like the clever runs Graham makes, or the sprints out into space for Seamus. I'm just learning a lot from them. And yeah. Same as Anthony, you just learn as you go along. So you were wing forward then all your life before that, and wing forward with the under-21s when you won the All-Ireland in your last year. And Mary I, you think you play centre forward. So what kind of, are you a working wing forward? I wouldn't imagine you're doing the Grod Hegarty role as a wing forward. Jeez, I don't think I'm up to that standard <laughs> now, yes. But, um, Covering all the ground, but you'd be more of an attacking wing forward. So the corner forward position is a whole new trade, like you're saying, to learn. Yeah, and look, I think it's the way the game's going now. Every half forward, not just the road or the Limerick half forward, they're all 
dropping back and covering every blade of grass in the field. So yeah, I don't think I'm cut out for that. So I'm fairly content down the full forward line at the moment. Come here, you like your routines I'm uh, reading. So the, the biggest one was you got your poor mother to drive home from Dublin. I know, I didn't force her. <laughs> so anybody that hasn't heard this, he got his mother to drive home from Dublin the day of the All-Ireland Final to cook him, what is it, three poached eggs and two rashers? Yeah. And you can't cook that yourself? No, fortunately not. <laughs> well, I probably but could. do you like the routine I? of her doing it? I think she likes it more, more so right. than me doing it. I think... Even that time it came out in the newspaper that I was after saying that, she was like, everyone thinks you made me come down. And she's like, if I didn't make them, no, I think something would have went wrong in the match. And you so she's the superstitious yeah, one, yeah, not yeah, you? Yeah. Right, so. OK. And you have another routine then the day before the game. Kyle Hayes was talking about this in a piece in The Examiner that you go for breakfast with him on the day before the game. Um, you have protein pancakes and uh, coffee. And yeah. then you go for your championship haircut. Yeah, and look, I suppose the routine is important, but we wouldn't be doing it, Jesus, look well playing a match at all. I suppose we just do it to kind of pass time the day before a match. Don't you know? lie, you know. We know, know everybody know. knows why you get the championship haircut. <laughs> I know, we just do it kind of to pass time, because like, there's not much you can do the day before a match. Like, there's nothing you can do that won't tire you out, so I suppose we just kind of just chill out and pass a few hours for us. Yeah, because it's hard to get it. So if you like routines then, because you're obviously in college, so you have the whole summer off. So, like, I mean, is it difficult to get a routine, you know, going during your day when you have... Uh, the summer completely free? I suppose it's, it's, what kind of helps me is you're going to have a part-time job there during the summer so you know, if you're working say Monday to Friday or a few days there during the week you know, you're up in the morning, you're going to work you're having your lunch, you're eating your dinner, you're doing all that at the same time every yeah. day and then you're going training so no, as I said it's important to have a routine because like, even coming up to big matches you know, and if you have your routine you're worrying about ticking all the boxes in your routine, you're not worried about Oh geez, I'm playing a big match, like you know. Yeah, well that's the thing. So, what's the part-time job you get during the, during the summer? Do you, like, I mean, because it is important to take your take your mind off it. Like, I mean. Yeah. Um, I'll try and look for something handy again this summer. I suppose, <laughs> but, uh, no, last summer it worked out well. I was, you know, Kevin as a charitable there, car uh, sponsorship. So I was oh, back right. there a few days during the week, but and it didn't work me too hard. So I was fresh most of the time. Very good. I won't keep you too much longer because we've got uh, some tours coming into Pro Park here. Um, Waterford at the weekend, like, I mean, that's going to be a great game because you both kind of like to play nice, short game mixed up with the long game as well. It is, yeah. Look, and to be fair to them, they're flying it, especially after a new manager, you know, things could go flat for a while until he puts his own mark on the team. But no, to be fair, they're flying it and they've definitely one of the standout teams of the league so far. I think I said it a few times, they have some of the best hurlers in Ireland, so we're definitely going to be up against it. Do you, do you watch other games? So if you've got a Saturday night game, would you watch the, ne the games the next day on, on TG Cahir or sit down and watch them, or would you stay away from it outside of the games that you're not playing? I wouldn't be mad into watching it now, but if, the, if I was at nothing else, I would watch it. Yeah, I'd just sit down at home and chill out and watch a few matches. Yeah. Yeah. So you've Noel Connors, I think, at the weekend. He's got bigger legs than you, even though your legs are, fair, your legs are fairly big. <laughs> so that's going to be a tough one again. It is, of course, yeah, and geez, thinking back, like he's, I think I've seen a few clips on YouTube there of, or even Andrew Shockson, he the other day, he was playing maybe 10 or 11 years ago, so the wealth of experience he has, I'm definitely going to be up against it, but look, you want to mark the best players in the country to see, see where you're at, so I'm looking forward to it all the same. Yeah, well listen, thanks very much for giving us your time, all and right. we'll talk to you again. Yeah, we, I, we do. Yeah, we have a farm back home, so we have, we have a big farm back home, and we have we have uh, cattle and sheep, and we have a few donkeys as well. So um, we had a couple of Philly donkeys. Uh, so I brought them down, and so we did actually sold them. So uh, I think we had four donkeys. 
on the day and we sold them to a man from Wexford so we did so there's, there's the piebald donkey so there are, and there's, there's the uh, traditional donkey and there's the, the Spanish donkey and then there's the uh, Spanish uh, donkey they call it. Yeah, you, see, you see them on the on the beaches and so um, yeah you can actually one time one time the the donkey was useless right? but now some people have started to get back into them because you can use them for headage and uh, it's used towards your would say your bonuses your clients a donkey, a donkey in Eden, a donkey in a palace. Okay, so Paddy Power Predictions, Cheddar, we're finally going to talk about the match. People will be wondering, when the hell are they going to preview this league final? <laughs> so listen, I thought Aaron Galan was very good there. Um, like, I thought it was a good one with him and Seamus Flanagan, and they kind of had a checkered path through the minors and under-21s, and now they're in beside each other. Galan in a new position, Flanagan kind of has played in a few different positions and they're so bloody good now and Galan puts it down to the Limerick system and this Limerick system is becoming famous now Cheddar isn't it like I mean when you talk about Limerick it's nearly always how do you beat this system I think when you're talking about top teams in any sport Wooly you're talking about the structure that they play under and you know all the different aspects of that it's not necessarily the Limerick system as such um you know, a, a, any of the top teams, like, you know, look look at soccer or look at rugby, um, or, you know, look at any team sport, um, generally speaking, you know, you may very well be very, very lucky to have 15 incredibly skillful players that, you know, they might be the best players ever walked and they just make it up as they go along, play off the cuff, in other words, um, and you're going to win matches. But, you know, generally speaking, you're not going to have that quality or that depth of quality in your team. So you, you have to have some structure around that. How deep that is is a different matter. Um so I, I think what's interesting, uh, Woolley, about Limerick is, um, you know, I, I know you, you, you want to generate a discussion around the system, but I find it much deeper than that. Limerick have been doing this at an underage level for a number of years. I've said this before on the show here. This didn't just come um, last year that Limerick should suddenly jumped on a system of play and, look, this is great, let's go with it. Um, you know, these players have been conditioned to play within types of systems for a number of years. I remember Anthony Dale being over been over uh, Limerick minor teams I actually saw him in, I saw him in um in Turles, he was actually, I think he might, he might be in the director of uh, hurling in the Limerick Academy for a number of years. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, look, I, I've said this a number of times, if the counties that haven't been successful recently want to look at, you know, the ideal way of doing things, well, I strongly suggest you go down and speak to the people in Limerick and figure out, going back a number of years, what did they get right to get them into the place that they're in now? Well, OK, well, Dublin gave us some idea of how to break the system. At least they... they they tried something different. So their whole half-back line marked the Limerick half-forward line, man-marked them all over the field, and they br- played with five forwards. So they played a sweeper. Obviously, every time uh, some uh, people see a sweeper, they start giving out about it. That's crazy as far as I'm concerned. Against Limerick, for me, tactically, it makes sense because there's that huge problem always when you play Limerick cheddar is do you follow the three lads or do you, do you hold back? There's pluses and minuses for both of them. Even if you're to let one, if if you're to let man mark two and let one off, you can be sure bloody Keen Lynch is going to be picking the lad that you left off. You know to hurt you. So, th- the solution for me, if if I was a hurling manager, would be almost what Dublin did and say for that match, surprise Limerick, and give them something to think about. And that did surprise them, and it gave them something to think about. And it's interesting. Porrick Fanning was interviewed before 
the National League started and everyone was obsessed asking him about Waterford systems and are you going to change from Derek McGrath and he said we may use a sweeper at times we may not you have to play what's in front of you as you saw with Clare last year they switched back to sweeper at one stage so you know you wonder will Fanning potentially have the tactical flexibility to just throw a rabbit out of a hat and do something he hadn't done in the previous league games but he has a tactical flexibility uh, Willie to answer your last question first uh, Ty De Burke has been playing that role for a number of years Not, he, he has it if he needs it yeah he has it if he needs it but look Dublin has been playing the that role for the last can do it if he's back well he's maybe he's not back yeah, but look Dublin didn't do anything different than they've been known last year um, Sean Moran the, the, Dublin have played with four half backs all through last year that's what made him difficult to beat Sean Moran was that you know you could call him the, the ball carrier the ball distributor he's done the very very same role very very effectively belong to Kenny last Sunday get, yeah but against Limerick Dublin started with young Barrett in the corner forward and brought him back you know it was very obvious it no, wasn't they, like they, they did flip the middle third and you do need you know you need, you, you need to disrupt Limerick doing that and, and they did disrupt Limerick and yeah. um, you know it's interesting that you know we speak a lot about some of the um, Limerick sort of marquee hurlers the skillful players but last under proved that probably the most important player to the Limerick system is actually Seamus Flanagan and when he came on the field they, you know, they certainly played better when he was on the field um, and he's a very unorthodox uh, positioning and a very unorthodox type of player um, uh, incidentally who you know didn't have a huge amount of success in his career in underage up along as, you, as you've mentioned earlier on um, but uh, uh, look I think Watford have a lot of parts um, needed to to, to beat Limerick on Sunday and they've also some big players here um, and they've found some big players you know I mean Colm Lyons and at full back you know he's a no-nonsense hurler um, and so there are a lot of players here that are you know big men that can actually deal with the height that Limerick and the physicality that Limerick bring, bring to it they'll certainly match them in that and uh, you know Waterford have had a lot of success over the last couple of years this particular team has had a lot of success, success. so they're not going into a league final you know green behind the ears and, and, and you know they're, they're, gonna, they're not going to be caught like a rabbit in headlights in this game and I give them a really really great chance of, of turning over Limerick on Sunday and that's really interesting Woolly because um, they're going to play one another it's in Welsh Park I stand corrected on that but I think the third round of Montreal Championship Waterford play Limerick in, in and I think Limerick actually have a bye in the first round and they're playing Cork in the second round of Munster and you could very well go into that uh, Welsh Park clash in Waterford Limerick could with no points on the board Okay, one of them is a bye. They've lost the game to Cork, and you know Watford could have could have I think they've two matches before they could have. I think they play a clear first day, might have a bye the second day. So uh, the point I'm making is that the result on Sunday and the performance on Sunday um, could have a big bearing on that championship game. It's only six or seven weeks or eight weeks away, you know. So so it's it's a serious serious game for both teams. Yeah. So what do you think Waterford will do then with the Limerick half forward line? All three were taken off, like I said, against uh, Dublin. You've probably got Philip Mahoney, Tyke de Burke, and Kevin Moore, and I'd imagine that's uh, guaranteed to be your half back line. Are they going following them? Are are they going to play sweeper? Like Ty Burke can play sweeper, but then you have to let off uh, Kyle Hayes. Do they want to do? Do they want to even let one of them off? Well, they, they, they might actually. They might just put a you know play it back in the forwards and bring them back. They could, and they could just play as a as a third midfielder. So you, you know you could see, play three up through the lines and two up front. And bear in mind, of some fair players to do that. Um, you know, Stephen Bennett is a, is a fair fair size of a man full forward. You know, so in terms of you having a spearhead in the, in, at full forward and an outlet for ball when you're under pressure, um, you know, they'll ball will stick up there for them. And you know, it did last Sunday. 
Um, and if, you know, you could. It, it may necessarily be. You probably wouldn't bring in a defender, will you? Because you know, you, you, if you're going to play a third midfielder, you probably need to be a, a forward. Maybe you know, with 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 that that's going to hurt the opposition. Yeah. because you need to be able to score from. It's distance a very negative. Well. That is a negative tactic. That's mm. the maybe default with Dublin in that. Um, you know they they played with the five forwards all the time instead of maybe yeah. even mixing it up throughout the game. Well, they did they, they did that it, like they wasn't knew what they did last Sunday. That that was, that really was in, in essence um, Gilroy's um, model last Sunday. Um, they didn't have um, they had John Hedrington up up front as the target man as such, uh, rather than uh, Liam Rush. I think Liam might be injured at the minute. Yeah. Um, you know, so it wasn't that similar to that. And it, look, it did cause problems for Limerick. Um, and you know, the game was in a melting pot for long enough and bear in mind that, that Dublin lost three or four players in the first 20 minutes or so through in injury and yeah. and look you, you might say that the depth of your panel you know should be able to sort that but if two or three of those players were very very important to the way you wanted to play um, and, you know it could be just your puck out strategy or something like that uh, well losing them you know wasn't helpful to them anyway let's put it that way Yeah so how do Waterford hurt Limerick then so like I mean uh, arguably Waterford's strongest line is well maybe their half back line their half forward line has Austin Gleeson and uh, Porrick uh, Mahoney the two wing forwards and they have uh, Carney in the middle who likes to put himself about I like the look of him but I'm not sure if he's the one that should be marking Hannon because Hannon will let him off Would it put Gleeson in on Hannon and let Carney go out on Burns because Burns needs to I think Carney would be perfect to be told go out there and and you know set fire to Burns maybe and don't let him get on any ball. Well, I'm I'm not sure if if um, Hannon will be back. Um, will you first of all? Um, but look, Carney, then, yeah, Dan Morrissey then will be centre. Dan back Morrissey was centre back, and look, uh, Sutcliffe g- gave him a huge amount of problems last Sunday. You know, the, the sort of interchange. Sometimes you see Sutcliffe wing forward, and a lot of times then you see him in centre forward. Mostly centre forward. Mostly, mostly yeah. centre forward, and and uh, you know. Carney is a very, very quick, mobile player, and and um, you know if they can isolate Morrissey centre back and and take him on and run at him and t- and and take him out of position, I suppose more than anything else. Um, you know, there's a lot of players around there. You know, Aston Gleeson is an incredible, credible hurler. Um, that he's after coming back, he's going to improve as he goes along. Uh, last night wasn't his best performance. Um, and Parig Mahoney, look, he's a known scoring threat. Um, so if they can open up that area around the centre and have those type of players coming into that pace filling it uh, coming in from a deeper out the field um, you know they could cause Limerick enough problems you know Limerick have a different full back Sean full, Finn was in full back I think um, uh, Dempsey's injured yeah. at the minute um, so Mike Casey was back Casey, last day, actually. he came on as a sub he came on as a sub right. they had a number of players that did come on as a sub as I said here planning and come on as well you know whether they were just playing out their league and giving everybody that you know featured in the league the, the, the time or whether players were injured and, and are on their way back or not well look you don't know until you're inside of the camp but I, it, I, 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 it, go on, go on. I just think that Limerick have a lot of things. Uh, as I said about Dublin last Sunday, have a lot of things needed to be able to. Or sorry, Waterford have a lot of things needed to be able to take on this Limerick team. And you know, the, you you spoke about the system. But look, Parigan and the um, Waterford management have had nine months or a year now to be able to figure out how they're going to play because you're going to have to figure it out for the championship anyway um, so we would have assumed that they've all of that work done now um, and I think you, 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 I don't think Parik will change around his team a huge amount you can't really do that but you will make you will make certain little tweaks that you're hoping will give you a little bit of a pull on the day and, and get momentum for your team 
Is is the important thing for the Waterford half forward line to try and hold the half forward line as much as possible? Because if they start dropping into midfield, they're going to get into that battle zone where Garod Hegarty's going to drop, Tom Morrissey, Kyle Hayes going to drop, and they they probably won't win that physical battle. Dublin might have had a better chance of winning. And Gleeson and Matney don't need to be in that area. They need they need to maybe you know hold the half forward line a little bit more and not get sucked into that kind of area uh, yeah, that's true you could do that but then you're very very dependent on your half back line to be able to pick the pass to those players and and look if um, if um, Kevin Moran picks a pass to Ozzy Gleeson or to Parry Man he picks two or three of them and, he, and they go to hand and they turn around and put them over the bar as loose players that they're not being marked well look Limerick are going to have to do something they're either going to have to push up on their players or pull their half hour line back even more even more they don't want, the, the Limerick half hour line don't want to go back that far don't no, they not they well, want to meet you around the middle they do and they want to be able to leave I suppose just enough of a run to be able to hit the opposing uh, uh, gram as well in runs and create confusion coming through um, so but the, the the point that we're making the Willie is that Waterford have the quality of player and the athletic player and the long shooters I mean Ozzy has, has been shooting off his own half back line last year uh, Parry Mann has been doing this now for a number of years um, so if you could pressurise the likes of Dermot Burns that he's not able to go front foot and get up the field and be able to deliver the type of ball that Limerick are looking for inside in their full forward line um, look you're a good bit there at that stage how you do would you need to, to think it out Yeah that's why the point on Burns Burns gives the mountain of ball into that full forward line I mean is that not your starting point with Limerick let's disrupt Burns like do you almost have to like that's why I'm suggesting putting Carney out on him where if you lose Carney for the game you're not losing Gleeson or you know what I mean Mahoney you're giving them more of a of an attacking role but tell Carney I don't want Burns to be playing any ball in there and like I mean take that away from him because for me looking from from my point of view Burns is the man that d- delivers those diagonal long diagonal balls and often into Glan he's a very improved player first of yeah. all we spoke about him last year he used to k- puck it for points too he much used to, yeah it was sort of pot shots a lot of the time from him but now he's used to the ball now is much much better um Look, it depends on the players that you have and you really, really need to know your players very, very well. If you're going to take on to keep the likes of Dermot Burns busy, well, you need a player that's able to play in his face, but you also need a very, very good tackler and a very good technical tackler that you're not giving away a freeze. Or, alternatively, you need to keep your player away from him and force him to move to mark you. And to do that, you need to be able to ping the pass to your player pretty regular to be able to score from distance and now put the pressure back on John Kiley. Right, which Gleeson or Matinee would be better at doing. I I just think that they would be, yeah. I, I, I think asking uh, Mahoney to play in the face of Jeremy Burns on, on next Sunday uh, and I'm not saying he couldn't do it but I, I think if you were to be able to play the ball through the line yourself protect possession give it to your shooters and shoot the scores well now you're putting the pressure back on John to change something in his setup that he mightn't want to do Two matchups that are going to be absolutely fantastic and one I hope it comes off is Jamie Barron versus Keen Lynch like I mean just total hurling these two lads are like I mean it's incredible the confidence they have the Barron's pick up there to, to fool Joe Canning was incredible Keen Lynch just it's just incredible the way he goes around it's like the ball is stuck onto the top of his hurl even if he's been tackled do you think they'll pair off one on one or do you think they might actually go let's try and mar- both teams will say let's put someone on, on both of them I think they'll do the latter um, Willie I think both of them are they just like the freedom to play yeah. and I think uh, limiting Jamie and certainly limiting Keen Lynch with a sort of a half markers role or a sort of a defensive midfield role um, I think would neuter them just too much I think both managers would want to be, to be able to get those free 
Um, Jamie Barron has been exceptional. Um, I don't know what sort of fuel he's on to have the energy that he has. Um, and, you know, he's been probably the most consistent and best midfielder in Ireland for a number of years now. And I think, uh, when I think of it now, Woolley never gets the recognition he deserves. Not enough, honest, I don't not, think. Not no. enough, no. He's a certain engine room for, for Waterford. Uh, I think Keane's a different type of player. He's a technically incredible player, great vision about spotting the gap and spotting the player moving and that. And I, I think he set up the goal for, for Flanagan on Sunday sort of, sort of showed that. Um, so I, I think it'll be the other way around. I, I think, and you may not see Dunford do this. It may be a third a person that actually might do this. Yeah, because I was looking at Dunford and I was thinking that maybe Donovan would pick up Jamie Barron, but yes. it, Dunford wouldn't be picking up Keane Lynch. But you're right, Keane Lynch is almost like the Harlem Globetrotters of hurling, isn't he? He does things yeah. that other players don't he's do. A, he's a special player. Yeah, he's definitely a special. The other one is Noel Connors versus Aaron Galan. I stood beside Galan yesterday in Croke Park Cheddar. I couldn't believe the size of him. He came in. I don't know that maybe he marks other big men I didn't have him put down as a big 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 man but he's huge his legs are huge Noel Connors is a huge man as well and he's been around the block and he very rare forwards get anything off him at all so this is mm. going to be a absolutely brilliant showdown Yes um, yes it is incidentally and, and you're right about um, Aaron Aaron's uh, you know he oftentimes you'd see that with some players they talk out much bigger than, than you think they are in street clothes and that um, and he's certainly one of those he's a, he's a big man and a big unit to try and mark and strangely enough in the I hope I have my facts right here now in the Fitzgibbon Cup final there was a Cork player that I hadn't heard of um, was marking him and done a very very good job of him now it was a pure man marking job and he, he was definitely in the face and everywhere else he could be um, and you know it did cause Aaron some difficulties in that game Now, in he's out centre forward in that game no? he, he was well he was sort of all around the place really right. he, he was uh, you know himself and uh, Gilfoyle were the two marquee players I suppose for Mary Eye and, and you know, UCC just had a better team it was difficult to expect uh, you know a couple of players at that that calibre just to carry the team as such but um, I think you're right um, it's going to be an interesting one and you know Noel Connors is a sort of the heart of the Waterford team I always see him as that, that sort of heart and soul of the team and he showed that again last and, and I think a lot of the Waterford fans you know have great regard for Noel Connors and, and uh, you know he's obviously a, you know a leader within that group not just necessarily because of his age it's just that's what he is um, so it's going to be a fair challenge and if you look at last year I suppose you know, it, it, that'll depend on how Parg neuters the way um, Limerick play. Limerick last year, particularly in the full forward line, an awful lot, too many times, they were able to create one and ones in the full forward line with the type of delivery that was put in and with the mobility of the people around them. And you know, you're going back to Aaron Aaron Galland's, um, you know, physique at that stage and his ability to be able to win even that contested ball. Um, and you know, once he wins it, then he's a big unit to try and stop coming through. Um, so you know, how Waterford managed that and you know, probably stopped the distribution of ball into him in the first place if they can. Um, you know, could could make life for Noel Connors a little bit easier. Yeah. Could we see a rabbit out of a hat and Brick Walsh starting in the full forward line for his aerial ability maybe in beside the two Bennets just to maybe surprise Limerick? We know Dublin this is another thing I often talk about we'll finish up on this one Cheddar is just surprising the opposition like Dublin did it you know they hadn't played a mm. sweeper an obvious uh, they, they usually play more they free up more and he won't follow mm. his man mm. But just, uh, Davy Fitz is great at doing this. Like, doing something that the opposition are not expecting you to do. The obvious thing to do is to pick the obvious team, you know? Like, in a mm. big final, having the guts to go, let's go with Brick instead of uh, young Tommy Ryan, who, who offers something completely different because that's what Limerick will be expecting. Um, 
Yes, if you had time to practice it. If you know, bear in mind you've only seven days to do it now. Um, yeah, so true. you know, if you're playing in a certain way or something like that, and you have time to to change that and to rehearse it, then you know, definitely go with it. But oh, you'd only go with it if you thought it was going to give you, you know, some real some real benefits here. Look, if you go go back a good little bit, and there's people will remember before this. Um, Galway played Kilkenny in an All Ireland uh, semi final in Turles one day. I can't remember the player that Cyril Farrell used. I'm not too sure it was in or not, but I know Paddy, Paddy Prendergast was the was the player. He played he played the two man full forward line. It was sort of innovative at the time. When I think back on it now, um, and he completely you know completely fooled Kilkenny on the on the day, and Galway won it. Um, so you, you know you, you could come up with something like that, but you'll only come up with it if you think it's going to give you a real real chance. Because you know if you can be consistent in your, in your performance right through, you're probably giving yourself a better chance of winning. If you come up with something like this does it throw the whole team and, and that you don't know yeah. and if you haven't had a chance to rehearse it it's probably even higher risk yeah maybe that with the seven day turnaround we might uh, we might forget about something too radical but, but, coming but, but, out but will you bring it in Brick is not a risk you know Brick, oh, no. Brick has proved he could play in goal he could even go across on Burns either and do a job he could very there. well do that and, yeah. and exactly you know, if you want that physical presence and to play in the face of Dermot Burns you know you'd be definitely heading for Brick to do that type of work for you because um, you know he wh- whatever role he's given he will stick to the detail of that and he'll deliver for you and that's what you're looking for in something like that yeah exactly right so we'll go predictions we are Paddy Power predictions time who do you fancy Cheddar look I'm going to go against all of the scribes and all of the pundits um, uh, will you I'm going to go with Waterford on Sunday I think they have a little bit of momentum behind them um, and uh, you know they have a lot of the tools to, to unhinge Limerick here regard, no, and, you know, people are, are rightly speaking of Limerick they're all Ireland champions and have been very very impressive um, but you know they struggled a little bit against Dublin last um, last Sunday and you know you've got to go back to the All-Ireland and the matches before that you know it's not that they won a lot of the matches by 5 or 6 points like the Oakley Kenny team they, they hockeyed some teams and you know it was serious serious performance that you could rely on looking forward to the next year or the next match um, so I don't think there's much between them and I, I just think that Waterford have some little things and have physicality in certain positions um, that if they get stuck into it and you know if they're really really go for it from the start in all of those positions and, and things come up for them I actually fancy that I think that Watford might win the match and you know I know I might be uh, I might be on my own on that one but that's what I believe Yeah okay I wouldn't be too far off that I don't think there's too much um too much and I'll go for Limerick just so one of us has to be right Cheddar unless it's, it's only a draw can beat us Alright up next we'll talk to Joe from Paddy Power Welcome to the Hurling Show, Joe. Thanks very much, Colin. We've missed you. You know it's getting serious when Joe arrives in in for the the big games. You don't you don't really mess around with a Burn Cup or with uh, the early league games. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, we don't want to be filling people's heads too much with different odds and that. But now that it's now that it's a bit easier to read, or people have a bit more of a gauge on how the season's going, it's a it's a good time to well, try that, and make a few quid. That, that's the thing, though, because like I mean, even from the early rounds of the league, it's a lottery because you don't know what training they're doing, you don't know what teams they're necessarily picking, how many lads are getting runs. You don't care, know if they're targeting the league or not. So it's a minefield for punters. I imagine for setting bets, it's a minefield for the for the for Paddy Power as well. Yeah, it can certainly be very tricky. And you've got guys playing Fitzgibbon during the week, and you don't know if they're playing the weekend, whether they're named or not. Managers are, are ch- you might have t- four or five sub numbers by the time the team actually comes out onto the pitch. So it can be it can be hard to read, particularly early on in the year, as you say, with yeah. different training things and that. But it, it gives a gives the local man a chance with their inside knowledge, maybe if they know what's going on behind closed yeah. doors. Would you notice that? Like say after a weekend, geez, we set that completely wrong. So 
somebody must have known something there you know with, with that kind of show up it's not it's not blatantly clear because if if those lads are smart enough they're not going to tell everybody what they know either so you might get a few lads who, who know what team's going to be lining out or, or how good a team's going in training or that kind of thing so it, it, it is kind of hard it's hard to gauge and, and at the same time the, the kind of general population of people having a few quid on the matches don't know this don't have any inside scoop either way so yeah. like you, while the odds might be wrong for a match you're, like the guys in, in the trading floor are only going what a lot of other people are going on as well in terms of form and history and things like that so yeah uh, it's, it's, it just tends to change week to week okay right fair enough so we have the same money back special uh, if if uh, money back as a free bet if you're losing first goal score scores a goal anytime so that's the same as the football show yeah exactly yeah so just if you're if your goal, first goal score doesn't get the first somebody gets one in 70 minutes you get your stake back yeah and we have another prize for all favourites to win so Donegal Kerry Derry and Limerick it was 4-1 to one, now it's 5-1 to one. so you've bumped that up yeah, well, there's only a handful of games this weekend in general, and they're obviously the the standout games across uh, the hurling of football league. So um, we just just gave a little boost there from four to one out to five to one. If you expect those four teams to to come in this weekend, because you actually have all favourites, as strong enough favourites. Yeah, they're, they are strong enough. I guess, like you're saying, you nearly always get caught with one one way or the other. And there's definitely a couple of games there that you, I can't say there being more than a couple of points in. Um, but at the same time, I would expect all four of those teams to win their games as well so if yeah. you're going to back the favourites you may as well get the little extra boost there as well on the yeah. power price so it's 5-1 to one on that so the outright betting Limerick are 8-13 to 13 on this and Waterford are 13-8 to eight. what's the thinking there obviously Limerick's form throughout the league but Waterford aren't going bad either no they're not going badly at all in fairness to them now to make a league final would be a real boon for their, for their season and the new manager and that kind of thing but I mean like you're saying Limerick have been I actually can't believe how good they've been this year to be honest with you I thought they'd be coming off a bit of a lull from the All-Ireland they might take a while to get going but they've hit the ground hit the ground running they've kind of been sweeping teams aside like the Dublin put up a good good battle for them last weekend but they came through relatively comfortably in the end and, and on the Waterford side I think most people would say Galway probably poked that one away to a certain extent as well so it, that's kind of reflected in the betting there I think it should be a close game and I mean they're two teams that know each other very well and they will be meeting each other soon in the Munster Championship so they might be holding back ever so slightly but yeah Limerick are definitely uh, definitely the fancy team coming into the weekend yeah so the handicap is minus two so like I mean you have Limerick strong enough favourites but not by you're not fancying them to run away with this yeah that's what happens with the handicaps they, compared to what the odds are you think there'd be a bigger handicap I thought there'd be more there yeah, yeah and I, I mean that in that sense if that's what the traders are have come up with in terms of handicap like that would would suggest order for their va- or good value at 13 yeah. date as well which I think they are but yeah you can't really see there being much more than maybe a goal or a few points between them anyway so that the handicaps kind of reflects that yeah okay fair enough um, Limerick to score first these are little ones that I like lead at half time and win in 70 minutes so that's 14 to 5 it's nearly 3 to 1 and the only risk here is probably who gets the first score maybe yeah exactly we kind of discussed that briefly on the football show that, that is kind of the, the element of luck and potentially if you do expect Limerick to, to kind of win comfortably and be leading at half time and then win a full time so that is 14 to 5 compared to the 8 to 13 just to win the match outright but if you were worried about the first score but you still fancy Limerick strongly to, for them to be leading at half time and win a full time is 11 to 8 ok that's not bad bet either so Limerick are 6 to 1 to win the final and the All-Ireland Waterford are 20 to 1 to win this weekend and win the All-Ireland so like I mean you obviously have Waterford in as underdogs this weekend which is reflected in that yeah so that, I mean even even beyond that as well if you were just looking at the All-Ireland Limerick could be be a lot lower in the betting than Waterford would for, for the overall yeah. winners of Liam this year I have to actually pull you up Limerick I was talking to Aaron Galan about this he said he didn't notice it Limerick came back this year as All-Ireland champions but fourth favourites to retain it now they're into second favourites to retain it the, nobody believed in Limerick at the start of this year at all 
did they? Yeah, well, even like that's what I was saying there myself. I couldn't believe how well they're going because it's it's rare you see a team win win an All Ireland. It's taken them that long to win it. There was such yeah. an outpouring of emotion. There were so many other things around it, and it can take a long time to to kind of get back in gear. Or even like a year can pass you by in a lot of cases. So I think that that was just more that the some of the performances from the likes of Galway and Clare and that and Cork were six points up against Limerick in the semi-final last year as well so like, that has to come into play a little bit but Limerick's form should league has seen them shorten and shorten because they really look like they're they're, they're ready to go for championship Yeah, no I couldn't agree more uh, you've uh, Limerick, two Munster teams um, are in the two matches on Sunday so you have specials for those two teams let us know about those ones Yes, yeah, just with uh, Limerick and Kerry they're obviously the, the respective favourites in the Division 1 finals um, or the, the overall league finals um, so Limerick and Kerry both win inside the 70 minutes of 7-4 to four, and obviously with Limerick being 8-13 to 13 and Kerry are very short as well they're, they're nearly 1-2 um, nearly on yeah. with that uh, to get the 7-4 for the two of them to win could, could represent a bit of value for the, for the double header in Crow Park and then uh, alongside that with two of the Two of the hot shots of the of the teams there with Aaron Galan and David Clifford, and um, for both of them to score a goal inside seventy minutes is nine to one. And um, Aaron, Aaron had another great chance there last weekend that he blazed over. But I mean, to, to form the guys in, he's nearly unstoppable. or looking unstoppable, so you can be guaranteed they probably get in there inside once or twice. And same with Clifford. Like if he gets a sniff of it, he tends not to miss. Yeah, once Aaron Galan doesn't try to kick it, and Clifford was one on one twice against Roscommon and missed both. But it was his first game back. So well, we that's it. He's got it. he's got the two misses out of his system there <laughs> as well, and he'll be back in Crow Park. So. so so we're back with the same GA ambassadors on Paddy Power News, Owen Kelly and Dermot Sullivan. Um, hard to have transferred any of them out, let's be honest. Well, that's it. Yeah, yeah, the two two of the biggest names, particularly at the Naughties, and uh, they're they've been uh, great pundits for us, and they're they're a good laugh as well. We had them on the on your live shows last yeah. year a couple of times. So yeah, looking forward to seeing what Owen and Dermot have to say because I mean it, it's hard to tell what way the seasons of Tipperary and, and Cork are going to go this year once they're just being so competitive. So I'll be uh, looking forward to seeing their their reactions after championship matches and that as well. So it'll be uh, should be a good year ahead. Yeah, exactly. And of course, the two lads, Owen and Dermot, are on news.paddypower.com forward slash gea. If you want to hear any of their um, thoughts they're going to be on that right listen that's all we've time for we'll be back on Monday where we'll review the league final and we'll talk to you then good luck I when I started running I suppose I didn't stop and when I got the chance to go I said I'd stay going so it opened up we're only the small little fish out there so we are and uh, we're trying hard to make it through but it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Warford today because, like, I'm hard, I'm heartbroken. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.